thoughts and other events. So there's an interruption in the story of Paul, let's say, and maybe it's a long interruption, and maybe it's it, its expression is a lot of laughing. Yeah? And then then it may subside, the, the, the effects may subside, not what's so, but the effects of what's so. And then the mental state, seeing its, its opportunity, rises and goes, oh, I had this incredible awakening. And so the next day, the same thing happens. You, there was a sense of losing it, and then an email to me saying, how do I get it back? presupposing that she ever had it to begin with. See, this is the dilemma. The mental state comes up, interrupts seemingly its own absence, and then claims the absence of itself as a demonstration of an experience it's had. Yes? Come on in. An experience it's had. Yes? It's very quick. And as soon as it neuters it, as soon as it claims the experience... It's, claim, it's not an experience. As soon as it, claim, it, it claims the event, it becomes another experience that it had. Yeah? So now, once again, it's, an, it's uh, an untouchable. Its own absence has been neutered into implying its presence once again. And you would hope that... Uh, and people have hoped that there would be a quote-unquote strong enough or great enough spiritual experience that would knock it off its pedestal and then it would just stay mute and, uh, you know, uh, subservient and humble. But no, it will arise if it gets the chance and claim whatever it comes in contact with. And it will use that to become another way of reflecting it. Yeah? So now you become a spiritual person and let's say you've acquired a lot of realizations over your time as a spiritual person. You've had a lot of interruptions of your spirit, your, your linear life by a spiritual experience that you had as the linear, linear character. And you, maybe you get epiphanies and you have a spiritual mantle and you're like big game hunting. You've got the big epiphany up there. And now oh, this is the one, the big one I got in Bali. I was the waterfall, four hours. Man, what a fucking struggle with self and non-self. And oh, and then you're, you're calling up the 800 epiphany number. And, Have you heard about any big epiphanies this week? I think I got the biggest one. I got a five-hour walk. Let me tell you, it was fucking unbelievable. I was so not there. <laughs> but I'm reporting in about what it was like not to be here. <laughs> Wait a minute. How could you be reporting in about how you would be absent? What did you? Oh, no. Oh, I was having it. So this is the idea of this movement. It's no, it's no one doing the movement. It's a mental movement. And its main, uh, let's say, theme or operandi is claiming. See, that's what it does. Yeah. So let's say if something doesn't have a life, how can it appear to have a life? It claims one, yes. Something doesn't have this, how can it seem to appear like it has that by claiming it? So the mental state claims what it has nothing to do with a lot of the time. So you see it so easily, so simple. So this whole idea of letting go, which is a big, big occupation in the quote-unquote spiritual business, is, is predicated on the, the idea of holding on. And the meaning of holding on and letting go is just, it's just an act and another act, right? Hold on, let go, hold on. But what gives it all the juice is it's me holding on, and then it's me letting go. So I, 
<laughs> you know, and you expect your 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 letting go to be sort of in the right geographical location with a camera such as this, like on a cliff with the wind blowing your long hair, and with future girlfriends and past girlfriends going, "Oh, Paul, Paul, finally let go," and then you know a big cloud opens up and the eye of God just shines right on you. <laughs> it's not just shining; that's not enough, but on me. So there I go. Oh, I've let go. But it's all predicated, could anyone be holding on? There's holding on and letting go all day. You can almost see your breath as that, you know, the exhalation, inhalation, you know. Your, your blood system contracts, expands, contracts. It's all, the whole thing is letting go, holding on. And we don't make a big deal of it as long as we think it's the body. But when it comes to us, it's people write books about it. You know, it took me years and years and years to finally let go. Fuck, how could that possibly be? You'd have to be the one that was holding on. And there's the insanity. There's the fallacy that there's a someone that's holding on that makes all the letting go seem so important and so romantic and so unbelievably interesting, hopefully to others, which it's not. But, you know, so there's this holding on, letting go, holding on, just like anything else. Breathing. Breathing or pumping the blood. Because you don't feel like you're pumping the blood, you don't really put much attention on it, do you? But then another, a subtler process of the brain, like thinking or receiving thoughts, because you think they're about you or you're doing them, you're totally consumed. Your interest and attention, not you, but interest and attention is totally consumed in the thought system. Yet because you know you're not digesting, you don't really, once it's in here, most people don't even care what's going in here. Some people have a little more knowledge and they're concerned gluten-free or what. But as soon as it's, it's out of your jurisdiction, basically, you know, it's in there, and you know, just have faith that it's going to come out, hopefully not in three days, but tonight, and Holly put some more in there, you know. And it's not like, when I don't look in the toilet to see what came out of it and study it. I don't. But thoughts and feelings and opinions, because they're mine, they, they, they're worthy of review ad nauseum. Why did I do that? Well, you didn't in the first place. You're predilected to that event and therefore the action figure. But why did I? <laughs> why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? Because you're not thinking the thinking. That's exactly why you're thinking that way. Because you're not thinking. You know, the most we do is see thoughts, basically, or receive thoughts. Yes, we're not thinking them. We become aware of them. I don't even believe we become aware of them. We become uh, cognizant of them. We we don't see being aware of them because if we did, we would see they're not our thoughts. If the awareness was clear, you would see they're not your thoughts. It's obvious. And so, just like you don't have much interest in, you know. My blood is only moving like four miles per hour now, or whatever it is in the body. You would start losing interest in these facilities, thoughts, the feeling facility, because they wouldn't be about you or yours. And the whole key here is interest and attention. Usually, the only thing that you're interested in is something that pertains to you, basically. And maybe you have kids and you're interested in them and they're pertaining to you. Just like if you go to a park and there's 30 kids out there, the, your interest and attention is probably going to go to the ones you think are yours yeah. than anyone else's. Yes? So let's say thoughts are going. Thoughts are just going, but when they're held as my thoughts, 
there's, a, there's like a relationship with them now that's actually the bonding mechanism to thoughts. You believe you're having the thoughts, then the thoughts have you. You believe you're having a feeling, then the feeling has you. You can't give up the feeling that it has you by not giving up the feeling that you had them. You can't. You're not going to get from... You're not, not going to get freedom from thought as long as they're called yours. It's the bondage of self. It's the bondage of self, and therefore self isn't a thing to be bonded to, but there's faculties, thinking and feeling and perceiving, that are being used, those faculties, to bond you to a mental idea that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. There's nothing right or wrong with it, except that it's off. Yeah. It's that you're not that. That's why, like, I was reading something from the Course the other day, where it's talking about listening to the thought system and how the brain interprets everything to the body. Yeah. So the brain, where the thought, what's producing the thoughts, sees you as a body. The thought system takes you as a body. So when it thinks about you, it thinks about you from the reference of being a body. You can't escape that in, through the thought. The thoughts are rooted in picturing you as a body. So there's no way you can think yourself out of the thought system. It's impossible. What you can do is entertain the idea that the thought system isn't yours, and maybe you'll lose interest in it, and then that interest that was in the thought system will go somewhere else, and just like it, it enlightened or illuminated the thought system and made it so freaking important and big, it may do that to, let's say, what you call spirit or awareness. Yes. Or no-thingness. It may. You'll have to find out. But once the interest and attention is freed from the bondage of self, then it's going to go somewhere else. There's no quantity to interest and attention. Every bit of interest and attention I've ever seemingly ever given to selfing hasn't been lost. It has no quantity. I don't run out of attention by Friday. I get a big package of it Sunday night. I go, okay, I'm not going to pay much attention to my girlfriend. That's been sapping a lot of attention out of me. By Thursday, I'm out of attention, so I can't call her. You know, I can't listen 20 minutes of her talking to me. All right, let me cut out. I can't pay attention to him or whatever, you know? And then I'll, well, Friday, I'm getting low. I get, like, on my cell phone. All right, attention's low. Attention's low. Resubscribe. Get some more attention. There's no quantity to it, is there? There's no quality. You can't package it or <coughs> measure it or weigh it or yeah. So it's not of this place in a sense. The interest and attention, and you never lose interest and attention. You just lose interest and attention in something. Yeah. Now, what would happen if you gave interest and attention to nothing? I bet you you'd double your fucking money pretty quick. <laughs> it would be the greatest investment of all time. Because usually, all our intentions into something usually add up to nothing anyway. Yeah. Like, look, some days, has it ever hit you when you're sitting there, let's say you've been on the planet seemingly 60 years, and you see tons of things have happened, experiences, and where are they? Where is that giant, giant pile of experiences I've had? You know, where are they? And if I try to remember an experience, they tell us in neuroscience that the only thing you remember when you're remembering is another memory. You can never get to the experience that seems to be the center because it was never there. 
It's just a memory, remembering a memory, remembering a memory. Yeah, so basically, you got nothing. <laughs> You're always left with exactly the sum that you started with. Nothing. No matter how much you get or lose, it's still nothing. But so, why, you know, just it would be amazing if it's like that turtle. It never gets eaten because the animal predator tries to eat it, it can't get in, and after a few minutes it gets bored. And the coyote splits and the turtle pops out, and he lives to 140 years old, you know what I mean? With this simple defense. Well, this is what this message is like. The mental state will try to make it something, you know, like when the girlfriend comes home and says, you, sh- you were supposed to do the dishes tonight, and you say, well, there is no Paul to do the dishes, you know? <laughs> that shit doesn't, that doesn't hold water, you know, fuck you, Paul, do the dishes. So the mental state tries to use it as an advantage, but it finds quickly that it's not doing much. And no one's going to be... There's no way you can write a huge story of non-self. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty, it's pretty boring from the self's point of view, basically. <laughs> because the only thing that kept us interested in the stories of self was self was in there, and in, in this message, self isn't in there. <laughs> so it bored stiff pretty quickly. So at that, that's why it's so beautiful, because then the nothing that we are starts having in the play in our life. Yeah? And then you realize that's the gift that keeps on giving, nothing. It's unbelievable. And in that, and, and therefore, nothing, because it has no quantity or anything like that, you can't really make much math out of it. Yeah? You've got to basically leave it totally alone to be exactly what it is. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah? It can't be made. People, I'm telling you, I've seen some people who become talkers in this topic. They leave the business in a few years because it ain't good business, really. People, like I was talking to some people yesterday, <laughs> people aren't interested in this topic unless they are. It's not an interesting topic to people up their heads. It's not. It will, they'll be excited for a couple of weeks, but then they're pretty bored and quickly because they've got to go on and do something else. Because the doing and having is the only way they seem to grok anything. They can't understand things unless they had a role in the understanding of it. Yeah? Where in this state, it's more of a negation of any role you may think you have, and that's the understanding of it. The understanding doesn't come from you understanding. It comes from understanding the you is what you're not. It's trippy, yeah? it's, a to- it's a whole different modality of what you would call knowledge. Like in recovery, we say self-knowledge avails you nothing. So what does that mean? To me, it means, well, if selfing's whole movement is claiming, so let's say knowledge gets presented about itself, and the self claims it, that self-knowledge isn't going to avail you anything when it comes to freedom from self. Yeah. But what would happen if you shifted around and you had knowledge of self instead of self-knowledge? Knowledge of self is valuable because if you have knowledge of self, you may just have a quick recognition that you're not that. And then that's that. And now you're on to something. Now you're not trying to progress or move ahead. You're just realizing the stillness of your inherent condition. Yeah? That all the shenanigans that have happened in one, in one sense are going to add up to a hill of beans. And so then your pursuit of happiness becomes like a leisurely stroll. You may meander and forget about it. <laughs> just because you're now content 
So the carrot that seems so so attractive when it was seemingly outside of you, you're you're the carrot field, so to speak. So now you're content, and so your drive to get anything gets sometimes weakened. Because why would I try to get what I already am? And why would I want to get a facsimile of what I already am? Or why would I want to have an experience of a facsimile of, of all that I am? Why would I want to end up with just a conceptual husk of thinking I understand something instead of having that sense felt knowledge of knowing you are that? Or you knowing you are that by knowing what you're not, which is the way it works for me. By knowing what you're not, you find out what you are. You can't know what you are, because that would make you an object to something else. And you're not an object to anything else. You are subjectivity. So this subjectivity, because it's subjectivity, can't be a topic to anything else. Just like they say, what's hearing can't be heard. What's seeing can't be seen. What's feeling can't be felt. What's tasting can't be tasted. What's smelling can't be smelled. Yeah. It's just an axiom. Sort of like another way that it's said by a great old master, Huang Po, a Zen master from China, said, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. You see? So a lot of us think we're seeing, like the eye is seeing, but the eye isn't seeing, the eye is facilitating seeing. Yeah. If this body died in the life force, which cannot be x-rayed, you can't see it. It's not an organ. Oh, there's the life force. <laughs> it's, you know, right behind the liver. No. There's no, it's the animating principle that can't be seen, felt, tasted, or touched, in a sense. Yeah. When that, that's what's seen. The, the eye, the lenses of the eye facilitate seeing, but they're not what's seen. If I died and nothing happened to my head, which would be a crime, nothing ever happened here, if they took my eye out and put it in a live body, you would see. It would facilitate seeing. So obviously the eye's not seeing. Same thing, the ear facilitates hearing, but it's not hearing. Yeah. A dead body can have perfect ears. I don't know if they ever checked them after they pass away. And yet there will be no hearing going on whatsoever. Because there is a requirement, and it's not the ear. It's what's prior to the ear. So, like, what's, what's thinking can never be thought of. What's hearing can never be heard. What's feeling can never be felt. And we're here as an action figure, seemingly, and I'm telling you, we're in a very small realm of experience. Us as the subject, and everything else as an object to us. This is a dream, in a way, Yes? What's always so is dreaming as if it's something else, so that it can experience. That's the only way experience could be triggered. Yeah, subjective subjectivity has to seem like it's something else to be an ex- to have an experience of it. But what happens is we get addicted to experiences here, and we believe experiences are like the highest form of living, which they're not. Yeah, experiences are very severely limited. They come and go. But what doesn't? What seems to have been before the experience? What is there during the experience, and what's there after the experience? I would say that's much more long-lasting than an experience. Yeah. So, with all the scene that's going to happen today from this location, there's only that one, that scene that's doing it all. Yeah. 
It's not defined by what I see, and it's not defined by how I see. It's seeing. So everything that I see can actually infer, instead of infer self all day, and the historical Paul all day, and how important Paul's afternoon has to be, it may, the same event may be used to infer what you really are, to insinuate what you really are. So now, instead of looking for all the wells outside yourself to get satisfaction, you'll see you are the inner well. So you'll have a contentment, or as the Course in um, Recovery says, that you will know a new freedom and a new happiness. A new one. It won't look like the old thing, it won't look like anything like that. Yeah? You'll see a new freedom and a new happiness. You'll have a new attitude and a new outlook. Not, it doesn't say a revamped attitude and outlook, or a reconfigured, or a, or a, a self a self-fortified uh, outfit, you'll, outlook, you'll have a new one. You'll start seeing things anew without any thought or effort on your part. Does that smack of doing something here? Does that smack of like, collecting maps and getting and looking at Yelp to see if all the restaurants will be good when you get there? Does that smack like a journey, really? Or is it inherently right where you are at all times? And therefore, the outlook of having to embark from a certain place to get to another place doesn't work here. It actually, it actually defeats the purpose. So what seems to work of me getting over to Seattle or San Rafael won't work for me trying to get back to me. It's impossible. You don't need any maps. And maps are going to extend the problem in a sense. Or like they say in some very cryptic ways, you know, it's like gateless gate or the open secret. They're trying to imply that it's so damn obvious it's right, it's right underneath our nose. Yeah? Because how could there be any kind of gate or a toll booth if it was gateless? What, what, if it was gateless, what would you need to walk through? Or if it's an open secret, it must, it can't even define itself as a secret if it's open, is it? That's exactly what you're attempting to say. They're trying to say, the seeker is the sort. And they're just warning us, hey, man, save yourself a whole lot of time. Just recognize whatever can be perceived, can't be perceiving. End of that story. Yes. And then look at, hey, here's another fundamental little thing that can happen. You can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use light to seek light. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. Or if you want to be Christian, you can't use the Christ to seek the Christ. Yeah. You can do it for eons and nothing's going to happen. Because it's fundamentally off. And it can never be made unoff by any action or any effort. That would just... That's, that's a proclamation of the offness, even more. The more you try to do it and get yourself out of it, you're stoking the idea that you're truly in it. Yeah? And it's always the case. This isn't about finding a method to get out. It's entertaining. Am I possibly in where I think I'm in? If it's an imaginary place, what, how long will it take for me to come out of it? Really, how long? And what would I need to have? To leave an imaginary place. Absolutely nothing. I'm totally, completely equipped right now. Yeah? And so, the, this whole idea, if there is a seemingly a problem, 
we're looking at it from the problem. Yes? And therefore, we need a solution, obviously, just like in AA. AA, our experience is it's a hopeless state of mind and body. The solution is it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, like it says in the forward. Simple, one little addition to the word changes it completely. Seemingly means it puts it on you, it's appearing to be true or false to you. Hopeless state of mind and body implies I just get fucking high. <laughs> it's a hopeless state of mind and body, and I'm going to be in a hopeless state for 40 years. You better believe I'm going to have to do almost anything to get some freaking relief from that, that destiny. And the whole solution lies in the word that precedes it, seemingly. And seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. That's, that implies to everything here. Everything here, because there isn't anything here, <laughs> everything is appearing to be true or false to us. We're the only reality there is. We don't particularly like that via the mental state, so we're trying to give our power quite away quite a lot, and we feel more comfortable living in a victimhood type of way or, or a powerless type of way. Powerless meaning no possibility. But that's not the case. And the whole, the whole recovery program is just trying to take you... If you look at the four-column inventory we do for the fourth step, Everyone in a bar today does the first two columns. They know exactly who they're mad at and why. And what does it lead to? Another drink. All AA does is add two more columns to the inventory. So instead of looking at what they did to you, you see your role in it. Why not take it back even farther? See your big role in this whole fucking event. Like in The Course of Miracles says, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's a lot bigger role than, oh, Bill fucked with me. You know what I mean? You're going, oh, wait a minute. But the relief, quantum leaps as you go back. Yeah? As more and more and more, you stop having everything out here seem so real, and it's imposing its will on you, you see your role in everything out here as being everything in here. Yeah? That's a huge difference. There's a lot of empowerment to you. Yeah. So, in this case, so here's this. I'm in the problem, seemingly, and I need a solution far out. So, if you get the solution of the exact nature of the wrong, which is identification as what you're not, that's the exact nature of the wrong. It's nothing other than that. That's the petri dish that all the fear, everything else grows out of. Is we've mistaken ourselves to being something else. Yeah. So here, and it's not that we ever did mistake it. It's an impl- it's implied it's an implied mistake by using all the faculties of the apparatus thoughts feelings perceptions all of that being claimed by the mental process is it, it impl- is it, how it implies that you are someone how it infers that you are someone how it insinuates that you are someone and therefore and that someone is pictured as a body. Your thought system pictures you as a body. So if the thought system is taking the information, collating it, and translating it, it's translating information in reference to you and I as a body. That's what it does. And the only way you can approach spirituality from that, as a body. So you're going to try to become spiritual, and you're going to have this huge impediment, you're taking yourself to be a body. Good luck. <laughs> it's like changing oil to water and water to oil. Yeah, body is a thingness, and this thingness is now going to be light and airy. Give me a fucking break. You can see all the mimicking of the crazy mind. They believe a loving gaze is a signification of it. Or they get their hair is longer, but truly, and they, they almost float. That's all fucking mental conceptualizations of what it means. There's no signs. 
Loving gaze isn't an indication. <laughs> the guy, he may be a pedophile. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I'm sure a pedophile has a loving gaze when they're looking in that little kindergarten playground. Oh, look at that loving... No, he's a fucking pedophile. Whatever. I mean, we have no idea to gauge quote-unquote spirituality because our reference point is of a body. And other bodies take advantage of that because they, they have you believing they're the embodiment of the truth as a body. The truth isn't embodied. <laughs> it's not of this place. <laughs> it's completely embodied by every year, but not, there's not a special embodiment of the truth. It's very, very unspecial. Billions of us embody the truth. <laughs> so, there's the problem, man. Jesus Christ, I can't even seem to be in the Saturday I'm in. The thought system is like a constant bottle of water being moved back and forth, past and future. And my attention tends to go this way and that way. And I really just like to focus here and have this latte, but I'm thinking of past lattes and maybe <laughs> look, this one isn't as good as the last one. Or I'm hoping for a better latte in Bonaire or some other fucking crazy thing. And therefore, my interest attention, I can't even marshal it to be right where I am, which is mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling that we spend so much time trying to be here where we can't be anywhere else. All the effort to be in the moment is predicated that you could possibly be out of a moment. It's impossible. You've never missed one moment in this life that you call yours. Not one. Without you, there ain't a life. You see the absurdity of it? And then it just, once it gets this little mental foot in the door... It just geometrically progresses. It's like uh, it's like mold or or that musty smell when you walk in a room. Shit's been just stagnant and it's getting really stinky. All these old ideas and beliefs and fucking crazy. The the life is meant to be a big big building with open windows with a lot of circulation. It's not like putting a marathon runner in a closet and expecting him to be happy. He's going to go crazy, dun, 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 dun. We've been over every formula of how to be happy, joyous, and free in this freaking place. And look at us. And we're in a very high level of success, I would imagine, in Marin County, of people who think what, how it's been presented to us, this should translate into happy, joyous, free. You can't have a bigger mecca in this whole world than Marin. They can, everyone can change their face. They, they try to, they're trying to look like they're in gym class and when they're 80 years old. They're like junior highs. They're just constant, constant. I'm not going to fucking give in. I am going to be whatever. And they have the wherewithal to keep it going. But it's still going to peter out. But here it's like, it's unbelievable. And maybe they are happy and they're really doing it to us by not sharing it. They're like, don't let them know how great it is. And we don't want to. And it's funny because sometimes they'll say, oh, it means nothing. I say, well, then kick down. No. No. 
<laughs> I'm not going to give you any of my stock portfolio. I thought you said it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a guy once I was working with. He, he inherited $250,000, which is a nice windfall. He comes over my house and starts complaining about it for 10 minutes. Oh, I think it's going to change my relationships with my friends. And he goes on and on. I said, kick down. I'll take about 70000 right now. And I'll have a great fucking day. Jesus Christ. You just get this windfall and you're, you're shitting all over it. Like, give it a little bit. At least give it a day to be, you know, grateful. Hey. You know, but no, it's going to cause a lot of disruption over here. You can buy all your friends off. Fuck them. They'll, have, they'll hang out with you even more now. It's insane, man. It is. So here, there's a solution. From the problem, it's totally essential. It is essential we find a solution to this problem of not being able to be where we actually are. I mean, it's incredible. So, okay. So what happens? Maybe you hear this message by chance or grace or just an inconvenience or something. And, uh, <laughs> and so, all right, so now you're a solution. What happened? This solution, how, what does this, what information downloads from this solution? It downloads that the problem is an activity. It's not a real thing. It never fucking happened. It just seems to be happening. And when it seems to be happening, it has a historical feeling like it's been like this for a long time, and also that it's going to be like this for all time. All made up. It's not true at all. Yeah? So, okay. So you see that in a sense it's an imaginary problem. What happens to the solution? No need. There's a solution. Now you're out of the bondage of problem-solution. You're out of the bondage of close and far. You're out of the bondage of letting go, holding on. You've cut the co- you've got the exact nature of the wrong and cut it before it can even blossom, its first blossom of the spring. Yeah? What happens there? You, you have a sense of pause that some people think is an experience, but that's what you are. You, the, when the pause occurs and there's that alertness before any thought or any feeling or any actions happening and there's nothing going on but a huge amount going on, that's what we are. We are the space or we are the absence of our so-called presence. Being present as a body makes what we are seem absent. When you realize you're not a body, the appearance of the body continues, but now you sense the absence of that meaning it's not me, and you sense the presence of what you are. You now have the horse before the cart. It makes more sense. You start seeing blue is blue, red is red. Communication starts hitting you, and it makes sense. You see how all the insanity of constantly having this need to improve, like that Lowe's department store. I cannot believe that place. Their motto is, never stop improving. It's fucking unbelievable. (laughs) Never stop improving. Give me a break. No, you start resting. (sighs) You see that, oh, this isn't about accruing value every day. There's no mental accountant I have to bring my papers to, and I had a very fulfilling day on Saturday. I hiked, I went to three meetings, I gave my coffee to someone else when I really liked it. I gave them some. Or like this, and then, oh, now I can watch a movie tonight. No, the mental accountant gets fired. You're here, you're inherently valuable, and you're actually, all you're doing is waiting for the opportunities to express in whatever way it comes about. You basically just hold the space all day. 
and people lay on ideas on you, <laughs> you know, and you realize you can't do anything about that, so you just hold the space and they're like, I hate you or I love you. It doesn't, it's like, it's just, it swings so unbelievably, and none of them hit the mark because you're not a thing. You're not locatable. There's a freedom to it. You get freedom from the bondage of self. The bondage of self is an activity. You were not bonded 20 years ago and you've been trying to wiggle out of the handcuffs. You never had any handcuffs on other than the ones of your own mental making. Truly. So, all right. So now the problem is seen to be imaginary. There is no need for a solution. That's the solution. In a sense, you don't need a solution. You are the solution. You're so prior to any problem that ever fucking happened. You don't, try to have, you don't have to try to figure out after the fact. You realize you're always before the facts. Because the facts are facts. The only fact is that you are what you've been looking for. You are the reality here. That's the fact. And so that fact overrides all the false evidence that arises and wants to appear real. It cannot appear real unless it has someone to appear real to. There is no false evidence appearing real. It's all produced by who's ever looking at it or what's looking at it. Yeah? If I'm looking at the thought system, taking myself to be the thinker, false evidence can appear to be real all day. Yeah? And it will drive me crazy in this day. And everyone who's having a hard time today, very rarely the hard time this is based on today. Based on last Wednesday and next Friday. Yeah? And then you see how you've been, you've been almost blown in the wind. It's, you've been dispersed by the winds of time where you can't gather yourself seemingly to be present. Yeah, because the thought system is all about yesterday and tomorrow. And if your interest and attention goes there and goes there, it's constantly in flight, and then it never gets to rest from its source. It's always swift, flying around the mental winds, coming here, going there, coming there, and basically it all adds up to fucking nothing. Really. <laughs> Inherently, nothing's ever changed. Inherently. What any shenanigans this action figure ever came up with, or the most heinous thing I've ever done, or the worst thoughts I've ever had, have not left one, not even a henna tattoo on what I <laughs> No mark has ever been laid, no impression has ever been caught and frozen. It's almost like a sky with everything that appears in it. The mind is like sky. Why not, you know, if you entertain it, it may bring some of that lightness into your life. And you'll be the better for it. And what's awesome is others will be the better for it. Because this is a win-win thing. Yeah? You'll be of service because you realize you're always present. And if you realize you're always a present, that means you're available. And if you're available, that means you're of service. If you're available and you're always present, you're of service. As simple as that. You can do service with the hopes that that will trigger a familiarity of what it's like to be of service. Yeah? And once that becomes in place, that becomes a part of your new attitude and your new outlook. You're of service. You're at, you're at the call of the moment, so to speak, because you're not in a fire station 800 blocks away. You're right here, right now, because you haven't believed the insane idea you could be somewhere else. Seriously. That's all that's needed. All it is is more of a negation. Yeah? It's, not, it's not an affirmation. Because any affirmation coming from the false self is just amplifying the falseness. That's the dilemma. That's the dilemma they try to save us 
a lot of time with in these old scriptures, and they're usually very succinct, very cryptic little statements like, you can't use activity to produce stillness because that would be activity. Oh, fuck. All right. And then what happens is you realize, hey, I've been in that little rat trap millions of times. I was trying to really get huffy and puffy to produce a stillness, but he just shared this thing, and it's been around for thousands of years. It must have some value. I mean, you don't get, like, you know, gossip from 3,000 years ago. You know, usually you get some nice nuggets where they're like, here, here's a time bomb. It can save you a lot of time. So you don't get into a lot of activity to try to produce stillness, because why? It's activity. <laughs> You'll be stirring up the pot you want to calm down by, by hoping to calm it down. What? Yes, you can't get out of it because you're not in it. What? Yes. That's the solution. Really? Yes. What do I have to do? Nothing. <laughs> When's it going to happen now? <laughs> Will it last as long as you do? How much will it cost? Obviously, for my lifestyle, not much. <laughs> But who cares? You know what I mean? I, would, I always think, like, when you go, let's say I go to the beach, and some, let's say, a very, very rich, opulent, has everything in life goes to the beach. So I'm at the beach, we're looking at the ocean, he's looking at the ocean. He's on a throne, looking at the ocean, I'm on the sand. What's the difference? <laughs> he has to get a lot of people to take the throne back, I can just put my flip-flops on and walk back. I think I got the better way. Yeah. I think the economy of of being pared down is the greatest richness. Or like there's an old story about two great writers who were at a dinner party. And was at a, and there's nothing right or wrong with opulence. It's beautiful. But they're at this huge dinner party. The guy's got this unbelievable place. And one of the artists, they're walking around. One of the writers says to the other one, man, this guy's got everything. And he says, what do you think? He says, well, I got enough. And that's so beautiful. Enough is so, so beautiful. You know? Enough is one of the richest states of all, if you can reach there. And you don't need to reach there. It's based on you, not on what you have or don't have. Everything's based on us. Even the meaning all this has has been given by us. Yeah. Everything that anything implies has been given by us. This is a dream that we're the dreaming of. And because of that, the dream can shift. Not by changing all the pieces of the dream, but by allowing the dreaming to change. And I'll tell you, it's a very big change when you leave self-centeredness and you're now re like relying or resting on centeredness. It's usually different how you're going to see things. How you're going to travel here. It'll be in the activity where you'll see the greatest value. You'll see that over a long stretch of time, you get to stabilize a traveling lighter. Not plan, not you know, not promising the geography of this action figure destiny changes, but you'll travel lighter whatever is in store for you. So if it's going to be illness or marriage or divorce or whatever riches, not riches, you'll travel lighter through it all. To me, that's the greatest value in a place of time. What's going to save me time and what's going to allow me to travel lighter through it? So, like the course says, you and I are the dreamer of the dream. We're going to dream ourselves out of the dream, which is beautiful. This is part of dreaming yourself out of the dream, coming to a meeting like this. Believe it or not, it is, in my experience. We're dreaming ourselves out of the dream, and as we do that, the dream will get happier. And that's what it does.
And not just for you, it'll get happier. Yeah, it's great. It's a nice. It's it's like really fulfills the the definition of the word gospel, which is good news. It's bringing good news. We're not giving you a year long plan to get better. You already have plenty of those. We're not giving you a way of life. A lot of people have a way of life recovery or something like that. This is not a path to illumination, but it will illuminate whatever path you're on, which is the difference. Yeah. In other words, you'll be the bringer of the light, not the shopper for the light. Yeah. You'll be the bringer of the light into your own life. You won't be putting off your arrival anymore. You won't be waiting for a special someone or a special something, something to trigger your great embrace. You'll be embracing what is. Yeah. Which ensures that whatever comes your way, you'll be able to embrace you can't be withholding, 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 expecting something is going to, oh, you'll just spring into openness. It won't happen. You may look like it, and then you'll fucking be strangling that person because they'll be made the higher power. And of course, they have to fail you to serve you. Yes? Just like every master. You know, look around. Everyone loves dead masters, man. Because they don't give you any argument. You know what I mean? You can make them everything. I mean, I see people, they have pictures of people implying they were in the lineage. I bet you that person showed up, they wouldn't recognize the person that's sitting there. Go, hey, there's my picture. What's it up here for? Oh, I did a follow What? No, no. He fucking misconstrued everything I ever said. <laughs> but dead ones don't come back. You know what I mean? It's safer. <laughs> so that's it. Any questions today? Ah, oh, so refreshing. Ah. How long have you put it off, your own satisfaction? Your, or how many parts were so integral for you to be okay? How many moving pieces? You know? On the circumstantial level, on the emotional level, on the financial level, on the physical level. There's a lot of hoops, a lot of requirements, a lot of a lot of conditions that we need to have met to be okay yeah, as what we take ourselves. And it's a lifelong job because we're working with a lot of volatile equipment, so to speak. Emotions just don't behave. Yeah? You know? The market can crash while you're asleep. So you go to bed thinking everything's great. You wake up to fucking a catastrophe. You know? Your mental state is like horses running wild down a tunnel of yesterday and tomorrow. You can't seem to get a a saddle on them, and you definitely can't rein them in. They're just taking your attention and interest like crazy, seemingly. Your physical condition, you're facing the the process of getting older, let's say. And it's like the Toyotas, its warranties run out. You know, you're over 300,000 miles. A lot of, like, the windows aren't closing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's, like, tricks to start it. You know what I mean? Like, three cups of coffee, whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of, you got to really play around with it to get a somewhat, a certain level of or quality of bearability. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then you throw in this fake spiritual condition you're trying to, you're trying to glue to a body reference. <laughs> of course, that's going to be hopeless, and you're going to run out of hope soon or later. The better, sooner the better. Because <laughs> you're not going to do and have yourself into spiritual condition. 
it's it's a condition that's just being unnoticed by uh, the amplification of the mental condition, really. And we're look, we're trying to see it from the mental condition, which is aligned with the physical condition. And its real agenda is to block out the spiritual condition. So you're up against Schitt's Creek. You're down Schitt's Creek, basically, <laughs> if you go on a spiritual journey with all those references in place. It's not. It's going to be. It's one thing. I read this once in a Buddhist magazine. It saved me so much time. It was just a little one-page editorial, and it was about this famous meditation teacher, and he'd been teaching meditation for 30 years. And I have no opinion. I have a lot of opinion about meditation, but no. So, 30 years. And then he, and then he said, uh, there's been this phenomenon happening that all these old students of mine have been getting in touch with me saying, you know, I've been meditating for 30 years and nothing's really happened. <laughs> and I said, thank you. Thank you, old wise one. I got it. I'm getting off of that bus and wait. I'll just wait at the station see what comes along because I'm not getting on that bus again or any bus that looks like that because it's going to be a long journey. And I just heard someone who's been on it for 30 years and I'm not going to upset myself for what they're saying. So I'm going to, oh, well, okay, thank you. You saved me plenty of time. Then I was with a woman who was this huge light junkie in a, in a place of a lot of demonstrations, like kundalini, trances, speaking in tongues. And I went out with her. And she'd been, she was like the apex of physical demonstration of transformation or light insertion, whatever. They had a lot of names for it. But she was really bright when she was at these events. And I, I, had a, I went out with her and she told me, you know, it didn't mean a damn thing. <laughs> so she saved me all that fucking time. I said, thank you, you know? Because that was a hook. I was into it. I like Kundalini. <laughs> it's verifying something. Yeah. And then I have a heart attack. <laughs> verifying. And the nervous system, man, the psychic break, that's not going to be healthy. But whatever. But that, that, that happened. That got dismissed, you know? And I kept running into things that were just about saving time. And the Course of Miracles is all about saving time. It says, hey, all these things of meditation, contemplation, yoga, everything, they'll all work because the mind, the big inner mind intends them to, and nothing can stop mind, but they may take a lot of fucking time. And he says, if you're, just ha- if you're happening to be reading this, th- this may be an indication that the Course is for you, and the purpose of it is to save you time. And the chapter heading was, I need do nothing. So he says, all these things, if they're worth their salt, are going to bring you to the point of realization, I need do nothing. So my view is, let's start there. <laughs> let's stop, you know, if that's going to how everything's going to accumulate there, let's start there. <laughs> you know, this makes sense to me. Why not start at the, at the end point and have that the beginning point? Because if every, all the sub-things I do end up being nothing, let's start at nothing and see what that produces. And to me, it produces everything. So, there you have it. Any questions? No?